1: I'm Safa Master, and my pronouns are him, his, and we.
0: And this is Kinky Cocktail Hour. Cheers. Cheers!
1: Before we jump into this conversation, I wanted to make another note about our thoughts about the folks in Ukraine and
0: yeah. what they're dealing with. Yeah. And
1: just how crazy it is that you know one madman can start a war. Yeah, and, that's ridiculous. You know what I'm present to is that It's not like Russia is actually interested in Ukraine. It's like Putin's interested in Ukraine.
0: Yeah. And
1: the Russian soldiers are going to Ukraine who are themselves just conscripts. They're not really like volunteers. Right. So the whole thing is a mess. And this is going to have a huge impact on world economics and everything. So I just really feel for the folks in Ukraine, what they're dealing with. Apparently, Kiev is under attack right now as we are recording this. Yeah. Tanks, airplanes, rockets. It's really like terrifying. I can't imagine what that would be like.
0: Yeah, I woke up this morning to, I think it was Facebook News Watch, what have you, and there's a woman holding a brand new newborn. She just had her baby in the subway bomb shelter. Jesus.
1: Yeah, it's terrible. Our hearts go out to those folks. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's really sad.
1: Okay, what are we drinking today?
0: We're having a drink called Sri Lanka Summer. The Sri Lanka summer, so it's It's hot. It's a hot drink. (laughs) I don't know, maybe. We know Sri Lanka's hot. So I used the Bombay East gin, so two ounces of Bombay East gin, one ounce of Campari, and one ounce of Rose's lime, shaken and then strained, and then a drop, not a shake, but a drop of Thai bitters. Wow. And then mixed it in. Let's see how it tastes. It looks lovely. Yeah, we'll see. Smells sort of floral. That's respectable. That actually works. The botanicals in that gin actually work with that. Yeah, and it's not too sweet. Mm -mm. I bastardized a drink that I saw, and I was like, well, it had apérol in it instead of Campari. Yeah, and lime juice. Well, limes at this time of year are so unpredictable on bitterness and sour. And so I'd prefer to use Rose's Lime for that. Yeah. So I said, well, okay, Rose's is sweet. So I'm going to use Campari, which is a little bit more bitter liqueur compared to Aperol. And then the Rose's Lime will bring it up to speed. Otherwise, I thought it would be too sweet.
1: Yeah, this would be good with a, a garnish of maybe pineapple and lychee.
0: Yeah, and actually they, like you actually make a really long orange and wheel it up. And then ah. spike the curl. Yes. So it stays curled, basically. But yeah, you could probably play with anything. But what I like about this is Campari or Aperol is an aperitif. And yes. so this sets you up for a spicy meal. If you and think about it, and we're going to have a spicy are meal. We're having here. a spicy Sri Lankan meal tonight. Yeah, Sri Lanka curry chicken. chicken. Yeah. It's going to be exciting. Oh,
1: <laughs> it was actually good. We made our own spice mix and roasted the curry, powder. the curry powder yeah yeah Ground it up and really smells delicious oh
0: yeah it's I'm, gonna
1: i'm sure it's gonna be hot because you know in the sri lankan curry you use a lot of black pepper and mm-hmm. cayenne pepper mm-hmm. so it's gonna be and something. there's
0: serranos in there Boucher, things serranos, like that yeah. and so i like hot so i think the simmering part is going to give the chicken time to absorb yeah right and then you're going to have a gravy in essence because you're supposed right. to cook it down to right. a gravy. And then that's what you're going to pour in the rice. It's going to be ugh, delightful.
1: So this drink is setting us up for that.
0: It is. It is. Today's conversation is brought to you by WeMinder, a behavior chart app for kinky couples like us. Learn more at weminder.app.
1: You know, I saw something on the news a couple, I think maybe it's a week ago now. Yeah. And literally, like, my hair stood on end. Texas is attacking trans kids. Abbott. Abbott. Yeah, yeah, I know. And I'm just infuriated by yeah. this. I am. And, you know, we've always committed ourselves to being a stand for the trans community. Definitely. And I interacted with Erin on Twitter, but she's got this whole process going about how to save trans kids in Texas. So
0: I'm going to just preface this. When you shared this with me the other night, I was like, this is like Harriet Tubman. This is the Underground Railroad. This yeah. is the trans railroad. I swear to God. Yeah. So Erin, welcome to the conversation.
2: Hi, how's it going? Well, we're delighted,
1: Erin, that you're here. Thank you for coming on. Tell us
2: about how you got involved in this journey as a trans advocate. Of course. So I am transgender myself. I transitioned three years ago at the age of 30. I'm 33. And whenever I had first transitioned, I originally got involved in the advocacy space by learning that there were no good resources for finding clinics that would provide you with hormone therapy under an informed consent model, meaning that you don't have to go through like two or three years of psychological batteries and tests before they allow you to start hormone therapy. And so I had consolidated several resources from around the internet into a single Google map that has been used, I believe been viewed, I think 1.8 million times. So it's the largest resource for finding an informed consent hormone therapy clinic in your area, and that's that's what got me started in trans advocacy. That's how my Twitter account kind of grew uh, grew quite a bit at the beginning, and how I kind of gained a bit of a presence and an online following around trans issues. Now, in recent years, uh, in the in the last really year and a half or so, there's been a pretty sustained onslaught of anti-trans legislation. And so one thing that I have done often is post the laws that are being proposed for other people to keep track of them and to see like, okay, so there's this new anti-trans law that's popping up in Mississippi or in Alabama or in Arkansas or in Texas. And so a lot of people do follow me for those updates as well. And I think that's kind of what leads into what happened recently. Got
1: it. Wow. You're actually a activist, which is amazing. Which
2: I, I absolutely
0: love. Do you also guide people to, because one of the things I notice with people with voters is because they don't know the stance of a certain person in politics, they go, well, I'll just knee jerk. Cause these mostly they handle these causes that I'm interested in, but to be able to know someone that's trans supportive, that would be key, don't you think?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. And one thing that I generally tend to do, if you ever follow my account at Erin in the Morn on Twitter, one of the things that I tend to try to do is to also highlight the positive bills that are going up in areas around the country. And, you know, a lot of people I think often ask me whenever they see these bills pop up, like, what can I do? I live in California. What can I do? I live in Massachusetts what can I do I live in Vermont you know where they don't necessarily have the same issue of anti-trans legislation popping up and one thing that I often mention is that even in these states there are positive pieces of legislation that are being proposed and that you can talk to your legislator about to ensure that they do enter into the into the dialogue of your current legislation one thing that I always mention to people is that like state legislators are often the easiest people to contact. You know, they don't represent a whole lot of people and often they answer the phones themselves. And so you can actually, in the United States, have a pretty easy way of having a conversation with your state legislator, even if you live in a blue state, where you can ask them to perhaps propose a law that tracks with some of the positive developments that you can possibly see for the trans community.
0: And also on those bills or proposed legislation, there often are several legislatures that are supporting that bill. So knowing who those people are who are supportive of those pro-trans legislation would be important.
2: Of course, of course. And we do that. You know, I make sure to always call out the people that are, I tag usually the representatives in that legislation, the bad ones and the good ones, just to make sure that people are aware and that there's a spotlight on the particular pieces of legislation that are coming out and so yeah yeah that's that's a very important thing to talk about for sure
1: erin let's get to the conversation so tell us what's going on
2: in texas absolutely so before i mention what's going on in texas there's a little bit of background last year in arkansas and this is kind of to set the scene there was the first law that was ever passed that essentially targeted trans youth who were receiving puberty blockers or hormone therapy typically What'll happen is that a young person transitioning will go to the age of 12 or 13 with nothing. There's no medical interventions whatsoever. They'll speak to several therapists, several medical professionals, and then they may be prescribed puberty blockers. And what that'll do is it'll give them two or three years of time to wait. Like, let's just make sure that, you know, this is who you are, even if you've been this way for a long time. We want to make sure that like you're confident in this decision and that everything seems like it's moving in the correct direction for you. And then after two or three years, whenever they're 15 or 16, then they can start hormone therapy. And so this has been, there have been several studies that have come out that have shown that this is, this reduces suicide rates among transgender youth by up to 70%. It's one of the most life-saving treatments that you can provide a suicidal teenager or a teenager that may be potentially suicidal, who's LGBT. And so This is the mainstay treatment. You know, it's been reviewed by all the pediatric organizations in America and internationally. But Arkansas passed a bill that essentially banned that treatment. And the governor of Arkansas, I believe it's Richard Hutchinson, he vetoed the bill. And then the legislature overrode the veto. And so suddenly there were several transgender teenagers that were going to be withdrawn from hormone therapy, many of them that were living stealth, who nobody knew were trans. You know, you'd have like a 16 year old trans girl who suddenly would be pulled off hormone therapy and start growing facial hair in front of all of her friends. It was terrifying. A court blocked that action. So now, fast forward to essentially last week, several more of these bills were attempted passed in several states, including in Texas, and they failed. But then last week, the governor of Texas, Abbott, following Paxton, the attorney general of Texas uh, Paxton's advice, decided to take a law that was already on the books, which is essentially laws around child abuse, and redefine some of the statutes that were in there and reinterpret some of the statutes that were in there as essentially saying, okay, so if you've got a transgender child and you provide them any gender-affirming care you're a child abuser as a parent. And furthermore, if you are a teacher, if you are a doctor, if you are in any caregiving profession and you see a transgender person and even think that they may be obtaining gender affirming medical care, you have a duty to report. And if you don't, then you're also liable for child abuse. And this freaked a lot of people out. I mean, Texas is a large state. They've actually got some of the best medical care in the world. And so there are many transgender youth in Texas who have been receiving transgender medical care in Texas. And essentially, Texas is weaponizing the entire caregiving adult population to focus and to report transgender teenagers and youth to the law, to, the, to law enforcement. And, you know, you can see how this can go incredibly wrong. I mean, for one, even the teenagers that don't start gender-affirming care if they're presenting differently and if they're very, you know, if they put makeup on or something like that, if you've got a young transgender girl putting makeup on and and a teacher says, oh, I wonder if I wonder if she's on hormone therapy or I wonder if she's taking puberty blockers, that teacher can start an investigation just like that. And then you've got the Department of Family and Protective Services, you know, essentially harassing trans people and the parents of trans kids with potentially the end result of having these children that are living in accepting homes taken away from from their custody and put into the custody of the state i mean it's horrifying it's beyond horrifying
1: it's almost it's almost dystopian it's bizarre so
2: I just wonder, is this Alec that's behind this? I think I saw something about Alec being behind this. I also know that the ADF, Alliance Defending Freedom, is one that often pops up in these laws. The laws that are currently being proposed in several other states, Texas is the first shoe to drop, but there are other states that are also planning this and that are attempting to try this. They all seem like they're carbon copies from some of the things that Alec and that the Alliance Defending Freedom have been drafting for quite a while all these bills they basically use the same language and you can read the bills they all have like the exact same statutes in them and so yeah that that is a good call out unbelievable
0: i even heard this week i believe it's texas along with the lines of what they're trying to do with trans is they made a big deal about bathrooms again that's coming up again and that You have to observe the bathroom that you were born under on your birth certificate has to be the bathroom you use. On NPR, it came out about Tuesday this last week, and I was appalled. Like, I remember working in the high school arena dealing with several trans kids and navigating with their instructors who were harassing them on their gender identity. And then also fighting for their bathroom usage. I felt like I was in a time
2: warp. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people will remember that this came up, I believe it was 2014 or 2015-ish in North Carolina, where North Carolina passed a bathroom ban for transgender people. And it resulted in a massive backlash. The NCAA pulled a basketball tournament at the end, pulled it from North Carolina and North Carolina saw an enormous economic hit from doing this and eventually changed the law a bit to where the bathroom ban is not in effect in North Carolina anymore. But yes, you are entirely correct in pointing out that bathroom bans are coming back. Alabama, Mississippi, Oklahoma, South Dakota are all states that have considered bathroom bans. Indiana has one that they're currently debating right now. I don't know about Texas. Texas probably has one, but there are several states that are considering that. And as a transgender woman myself, it's kind of terrifying to think about because, you know, what if I have to drive through that state ever? What if I have to fly into that state? You know, I'm, I've am i been transitioned for quite a while and I would be very out of place if I went into a male bathroom, but these states are indeed doing that. One thing that I would like to mention though, because you did point out that the mechanism that they're using Is what your birth certificate was at or around your time of birth. A lot of them are saying your unamended birth certificate. And what a lot of blue states are doing right now, one of the laws, the positive laws that are being proposed in many states, is allowing for changes on your birth certificate without having an amended designation on the birth certificate. And that's a good way to get around some of these state laws. And so, you know, you're going to have this case where there are some states that are trying to react to what other states are doing. But it is unfortunate that transgender people are suddenly becoming a very, very big wedge issue that the right and left are using in a tug of war. And there are a lot of lives hanging in the balance, especially in Texas right now. So what's so amazing about all this is people freak out with COVID-19 right now
0: on even showing their vaccination records. How many of us, let's be honest... How many of us have ready access, like on our person at all times, as we enter a bathroom? What our freaking burst of is?
2: Exactly. Exa- like this is it's. This is all just an attempt to run a scare campaign. There's the enforcement on all of this is nil. It's hard to enforce. You know things like but ba- it's bathroom bans are, are almost impossible to enforce. In fact, what a lot of people don't realize is that bathroom bans often result in horrible unintended consequences. So for instance, there are a lot of cisgender women, meaning cisgender meaning women that were born women biologically, who perhaps have short hair or who are gender nonconforming, and who will enter a bathroom and be harassed and kicked out of the bathroom. And universally, every time these bathroom bans are passed or are attempted, you end up having more cisgender women being tossed out of bathrooms than you do transgender women, most of the time, transgender people typically are nervous around bathrooms anyway. Many of them use single stall bathrooms, just because of the fact that they are worried about being confronted in bathrooms. And so another unintended consequence is that whenever you end up passing these bathroom bans, you have transgender men who are often forgotten about in these conversations but transgender men who have beards who are are very muscular I know several transgender men myself who you would look at and never ever you know think woman at all who would then have to use women's restrooms and that results in even scarier moments for women who are in these restrooms and so
1: I don't understand the bathroom thing at all because we live like we're a man and a woman, and we live in a house, and we both share the same bathroom, and it's no fucking big deal. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Most yeah,
0: households, exactly. the whole family shares the bathroom. What is the policy? Knock a, before you enter kind of thing? It's exactly. insanity. Exactly. I mean, it's crazy.
1: Erin, I'd love to get to the topic at hand, which is the thing that got my attention was you posted about effectively an underground railroad. So talk about that.
2: Yeah, so- I really want to talk about how, like, whenever, so so all of these conversations that we were just having around all these bathroom bills and all these anti-trans bills, this has been going on for a while, and trans people in the advocacy and activism spaces have been just screaming, trying to get people to hear us, and it's been radio silence, like, from all of our allies, from all of our thought leaders, nobody has paid attention at all. It feels like, you know, like, I've been tweeting around, tweeting these things for a long time, and maybe I'd get, like... 100, 200 retweets on a really, really important piece of legislation. And then suddenly this Texas reinterpretation happens and it catches fire. And, you know, we see everything from senators, you know, weighing in to the U.S. women's national soccer team wearing protect trans teens that night. And then ESPN rebroadcasting to 34 million people on Twitter. It became a bit of a firestorm for Greg Abbott doing this particular push to define parents of transgender kids as child abusers. And this very quickly became something that people noticed. And I was very happy to see that finally people were paying attention. And as a result, everybody was asking, what can I do to help? What can I do to help? What can I do to help? And there are parents of trans kids in Texas who do want to leave, who are afraid of the constant escalation and living on the brink every two or three months when these new laws come out and they're tired of it. They want to get out of Texas, but not everybody has the funds to get out of Texas. And so together with a few other Twitter accounts that I have worked with in the advocacy and activism spaces, we've identified a few of these families. We've started GoFundMes. I think that we've raised something like thirty-five, forty thousand dollars $40,000 in the span of two days just to help with their relocation expenses. There's a couple of friends of mine in these online spaces who are collecting in private families that need resources and then connecting those same families in private with organizations, with people that are willing to host them, with people that are willing to offer employment opportunities or relocation expenses or people that own apartments or houses and places that they can stay. So this is kind of growing into a sort of two-pronged approach. You know, there are some families who rightfully don't want to uproot their families and want to stay in Texas and they're going to stay and fight. And there are other families that do need to get away, that do feel like their children just can't stand this constant onslaught of attacks anymore. And so we're trying to be there for for them as well. And so yeah, this this is kind of what's, this is what's going on right now. You know, there's, there's a lot of people looking at ways that they can help. There's a lot of pressure on some of the actual local cities. Like for instance, I think the five largest cities in Texas, the DAs for those cities said that they will not prosecute as child abuse, anything that is related to this directive from Greg Abbott. That just covers the cities though. You know, all of these places have outlying counties with fairly conservative judges and DAs. And so, yeah, so we're trying to help out in any way that we can.
1: Well, you identified several states that are worthwhile target states for people to migrate to because they're much more trans-friendly.
2: I did. I did. There are, so, you know, if you are living in Texas, the closest states to you that would be trans-friendly for your children or for yourself if you're transgender are most likely going to be New Mexico and Colorado. But there's a map, and I'm looking for it right now, of several states based on their level of transgender protections. And yeah, you can see that like the West Coast is a very good area to go to. Northeast is a very good area to go to. Maryland is good. Virginia was good. But with the election of Yunkin, they're looking at rolling back some of the rights. But yeah, so on the thread, if you search for... Basically, Greg Abbott right now on Twitter, you can probably find the thread. It was a very big thread. And you can see the list of states that have trans protections that are codified. Erin, just
1: say what your thread is. So people can find it directly.
2: Okay. Yeah. So the thread is, Greg Abbott has officially directed Family and Protective Services to begin investigating all trans children in Texas and prosecuting their parents as child abusers. He has also instructed all teachers, doctors, and caregivers to begin reporting any trans students they see. And so that is the thread on Twitter. I have a link. I don't know if there's a way to pass the link on to your audience.
1: We'll definitely pass the link on. Tell people what your Twitter handle is.
2: At Erin N. V. Morn E-R-I-N. I-N. T-H-E. M-O-R-N.
1: That's great, Erin. This is a really important podcast. We're going to get it out immediately. And I want to just take a minute and acknowledge you. I acknowledge you for being an advocate for being a stand for people, for being in action to make the world a safer place for trans kids. So thank you.
2: You're welcome. I mean, I was one myself whenever I was younger. I didn't get to transition whenever I was younger, but I want that opportunity to be there for people who can. And so that's why I do it.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Erin,
2: thank you so much for coming on. Of course, and thank you for having me.
0: That's it for today. If you're interested in kinky relationship coaching online domination or if you'd like to sponsor the pod to keep it going please visit our patreon website at lady petra playground you can reach me via email at lady petra playground at gmail.com our music is composed and performed by roger ferguson who can be found at rogerfergusonmusic.com till next time cheers